Was Montez Sweat speaking the truth when he threw shade at the Washington Commanders, or was he just a bitter man saying bitter things? That and more on this mailbag episode of Locked on Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join the Lock Insiders program and you'll get news inside exclusive information, exclusive content, including insider only mailbag episodes plus one-on-one conversations with me via text message. Join the Lock Insiders program now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media, covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And everydayers, you already know I appreciate your continued support. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're talking analytics. We're talking about Eric Bieniemy's time management skills. But first, we are going to start with Montez Sweat throwing some shade at the Washington Commanders in the mailbag from Ravi, who says the next mailbag episode question I have is, do you think that there is a lot of truth to Montez Sweat's comments after the Bears victory, basically saying no one on the Commanders wants to win and just wants the season to end while the Bears want to win holds merit? And do the Commanders need a complete cultural overhaul of the team? Or was it just ranting of someone who was frustrated that the team regressed while here? So for those of you who missed it, uh, the Chicago Bears defeated the Detroit Lions mostly because of their defense. Their offense was was uh, serviceable, but not great. Um, and Montez went after the game, was uh, was speaking to media. And on, on a few videos that are out there, the one that I saw uh, and quoting here came from Barroom Network. I don't know who asked the question. So, you know, forgive me if that's not who asked the question, but that's where I saw this video. I know there's an ESPN account out there that has the video circulating uh, as well. But according to the video that I found, Montez Sweat says, quote, where I came from being Washington, it was kind of like just waiting on the season to end kind of, but here in Chicago, it's like every week is a new challenge and people want to play for the man beside him. And that's what I'm here for. End quote. So the first question is, is he throwing shade, right? Like, so if we're going to ask if there's merit to the comments then first, we have to understand what the point of the comments are. And look, he honestly is. And, you know, Montez, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but he might just be trying to explain why he's so much happier in Chicago than he is uh, winner than he was in Washington. And that's really what the point of his comments are. And, and that's perfectly fine. But let's let's not be uh, let's not be short sighted on it. He's absolutely throwing shade at the Washington commanders. And uh, having talked to Montez enough, you can kind of see a little bit of a hesitation in his response. Right. When he when he goes to give his answer, a little bit of a of a Montez smirk kind of starting to come out. He knows what he's saying. He knows what he's about to say is going to ruffle some feathers and, and all those things. Um so what is he, well, who is he throwing shade at? Well, he's throwing shade at the organization, obviously, right? He talks about, you know, everybody there is just kind of waiting for the season to end. And remember when he got traded, the, the Washington Commanders are three and five. Like that's not a great record, 
Uh, they came off losses to the Chicago Bears. They came off a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. But they're three and five. There's more than half of the season still left to play. So for Montez to say that, you know, they're just kind of waiting on the season to end, um, that is certainly a, a disparaging comment about the organization. Now, he doesn't specify whether it's players in the locker room, whether it's the organization as a whole, as in the ownership, whether it's the coaching. He doesn't really say. He just says it was kind of like just waiting on the season to end. So bottom line is no matter where it's coming from, the atmosphere uh, was kind of one of defeat and, and waiting to reset the whole thing for another season. And that certainly isn't good uh, in, in and of itself, right? Um, but then he does kind of go into his teammates where he says, but here it's like every week is a new challenge and people want to play for the man beside him. So there, now we get to a little bit of specificity, right? Because we talk about new challenges. Well, who issues the challenges in the locker room? Sure, we talk about players and leaders in the locker room issuing new challenges and issuing challenges every week to their guys. But really, he's talking about the coaches. That's really what he's talking about. And honestly, it kind of mirrors a lot of the complaints that fans have had uh, and some of the things that media has been dealing with where we get basically the same answers week in, week out. Uh, you know, and Sam Fortier of the Washington Post after the Dallas Cowboys loss on Thanksgiving nights, um, specifically asked Ron Rivera, if nothing changes, how do you ex- how do the players expect anything to change? Right. And certainly the day after that, a lot changed because Jack Del Rio was fired. Doesn't look like a lot has actually changed from that either, but at least something changed. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think that could be where Montez, what is coming from? You remember the whole the whole situation where you know they put up signs around the locker room and the building says "Do your job." Well, here's here's the thing about coaching that we we've kind of talked about on a regular basis every day. As you'll remember having these conversations uh, together, where if you if you if you come in with a plan and you say, "Okay, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I need you to do. Go out there and do it. It doesn't work." And then you come back and say, "Well, just do the plan better." Right. Well, the, the definition of insanity. Right. We all we all know it or we've all heard it. Right. Uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, to a certain extent, you have to kind of rep the same thing. You want to get the muscle memory down and and all that stuff. But if the plan isn't working, if the scheme in this sense isn't working and you don't change the scheme and the players can't execute the scheme for whatever reason, then it's never going to change. Right. So I do think that there he is shading the coaching staff a little bit for strategic uh, and motivational factors, right? And, and again, the leadership uh, definition that I grew up on, uh, providing purpose, direction, motivation, bare minimum. Like that's that's the basics of the job. Like that's, that's day one. You got to provide the purpose, direction, and the motivation. Well, if the direction you're sending your guys in ain't working, change the direction. And if you don't do that, then you can't motivate your guys. And if you're not challenging them, you're not motivating them. I promise you, everybody wants comfort, but comfort does not create growth. Comfort does not create excellence. Comfort creates laziness. Comfort creates stagnation. And comfort creates mediocrity. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway. Then he gets into what people want to play for the man beside him. To me, that's direct shade towards his former teammates in Washington. Um, because it's, it's one of those things. I mean, you're talking about, again, like Montez himself is comparing where he came from to where he is now. And then saying specifically what it is about Chicago that is making him so happy. And what's making him happy is there's a new challenge every week. So he's motivated. He's being given direction and it, the direction is new and fresh and, and it's, it's, it's ideated and it's, it's unique. Uh, and the people in the locker room want to play for each other. So if that's, what's making him happy compared to Washington, then that would tell you that at least to a certain extent, not saying like, you know, directly next to him, Deron Payne is just like, forget you, man, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what you do. 
I'm not saying that's the extent he's going to. We don't have to go to the far extreme of it. But perhaps there was a lack of sense of togetherness, either in the defensive line room, in the front seven, in the defense, in the team. He doesn't specify the echelon of level of the descent, right? But to some extent, somewhere, there is uh, Montez very clearly stating that there is a lack of, uh, call it brotherhood for lack of a better word, right? Uh, is there merit to it, right? Is there truth to it? Now, here's here's what I can tell you. On the practice field, you know, these guys look like they're communicating. They look like they're at least on the same page of what they're trying to accomplish. In the locker room, there's no, like, you know, arguments going on. There's no guys just, like, flat out saying, like, don't talk to me to each other and and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, the, the the merit of it to me is there's absolutely merit to it. Whether I can t- sit here and tell you, which I couldn't anyway, even if I had seen it, but, you know, if, if I can tell you, like, X player hates X player, stuff like that. There's merit to it because Montez lived in this locker room. He lived in this organization, and not just for a little bit of time, for his entirety of his career until after the Philadelphia Eagles game. Um, there's merit to it because he is an insider in the, in the most genuine form and can speak on what it was like when he left, which is exactly what he's doing. He's not talking about them today. He's talking about when they when he left. Um, and at the end of the day, man, his comments are public. Like, if he's got a friend on the coaching staff, he's going to have to answer for those comments. If he's got friends in the locker room, he's going to have to answer for those comments. And to a certain extent, there's honor among thieves. And, you know, he can laugh it off with some guys. But, like, ah, you know, man, they were just – they were looking for a hot comment. I was in the mood, so I just – I decided to give them something to chew on. And maybe that'll be enough. You know what I mean? But for some people, it's not going to be enough. So so is there merit to it? Uh, you know, again, can I tell you how how true it is? No. But I can tell you that, yes, there's some truth to it because uh, Montez what knows his business. He knows how word gets around. And he knows that he's going to have to answer to whoever he has back in Washington that are friends uh, on his comments. Now, him and Chase also probably had a nice laugh over it uh, that night afterwards. So, you know, for to the best extent, I can tell you, uh, yes, he's absolutely throwing shade. And yes, there's there's likely at least a little bit of merit to it. Uh, again, to what extent, I can't tell you. But you look at the results on the field and bottom line, what Montez is saying kind of fits what we've seen on the field so far. Speaking of what we've seen on the field so far, how much of Eric Bieniemy's time management skills have impacted the product in the offense, in the locker room, and on the playing field? That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets on any winning $5 money line bets. That's $150 if your team wins. The Washington Commanders are currently six-and-a-half-point underdogs facing the Los Angeles Rams this weekend in Los Angeles with Los Angeles holding a minus 295 odds on the money line. But the biggest spread belongs to the San Francisco 49ers, who are 13 and a half point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. So if you're new or if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Create that account. Place a $5 money line bet on any of those games, either of those games or anything else you want to bet on on FanDuel. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of options, including spreads, player props, over-unders and more. But remember, to get the $150, $5 money line bet is your go-to. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get winning this NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the National Football League. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view today and every day, every dayers. Make sure you come back tomorrow, crossover Thursday. I'll be locking in 
locking in with Locked On Rams, and we'll be previewing this weekend's matchup. Locked On is launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Next question comes from Aiden. What do you think of the ESPN report about Eric Bieniemy in the locker room? So this is going to be a little bit of a long setup for those of you who haven't read it, and I want to make sure that you have the context of what we're about to talk about. About a week ago now, Jeremy Fowler and John Kime of ESPN teamed up and published an article on the website. And in it, among other things, it's very interesting, very long read if you want to check it out. It's it's definitely still up. But some of the things that they wrote about that we're going to talk about here because of this mailbag question is Ron Rivera delinqu- uh, delinquishing, relinquishing, uh, a degree of power, so to speak, a little bit of control, and by extension, some authority within the team by bringing in Eric Bieniemy. Of course, when Eric Bieniemy came in, he was given the assistant head coach uh, role or, or title, and with that, he was giving very real duties um, that give Eric Bieniemy some influence over how the team is being run this season, including the team's regular season practice and meeting schedules, among other areas. And like the Chiefs, the Commanders have switched to a Monday off during game weeks instead of their customary Tuesday. Meaning that if the commanders play on Sunday, they have Monday off and then they come in on Tuesday and they do their film study and Wednesday they start the next day's install. Now, uh, veterans on the team, especially veterans with families, have not really warmed to it. Uh, ESPN quotes one unnamed player uh, grumbling, quote, it's what the enemy wants, end quote. Um, here, here's here's the thing. You know what? I'm going to get through the rest of this. So. Uh, Amongst some other issues uh, uh, on the team earlier in the year, again, you know, none of these sources are named by Kyle or Fowler. Uh, afternoon meetings often ran long and got in the way of players needing treatments. Uh, and Bienemy apparently initially allowed players to use foam rollers on the floors during meetings to save time, um, which is an interesting uh, uh, compromise. In recent weeks, according to ESPN's report, Bienemy has relaxed some of those demands, shortened the Wednesday practices from two hours to closer to an hour and a half. And one player told ESPN, quote, he's gotten better at respecting our time, end quote. Um, but again, Eric Bieniemy's methods are a constant conversation point amongst media, fans, players, uh, all that stuff. In training camp, uh, it was brought up uh, an incident where Benjamin St. Juice uh, maybe contacted a, a, an offensive player a little too much. Terry McLaurin got into his face about it, kind of got into him about it. Bieniemy fired back uh, and, and told him, you know, to get in the huddle and, and basically told him to stop sticking up for his teammate. Uh, and Bianami said uh, before the bye, quote, I'm never going to change who I am. I've always been like this. I'm going to be your biggest fan, but I'm also going to be your harshest critic. I know everybody's not perfect, but one thing they can control is their effort and their attitude, end quote. Um, multiple sources have told ESPN that Eric Bianami and his offensive coaches will work well past midnight during the week, uh, which is not the typical uh, work schedule that coaches keep. They certainly work a lot uh, no matter where you are, but working well past midnight certainly isn't. Uh, the norm. And, you know, uh, while it can be effective to a certain extent, um, you know, it's, it's not really sustainable to be going uh, burning, the, burning the candle literally at both ends, uh, figuratively speaking. Um, and apparently Eric BNB is aware of the the demands on the staff and, and the strain that it puts on them, but thinks that it's a, the cost of winning. Um, so, okay. The, uh, getting to more strategic points of the article, uh, the passing game, right? I think everybody kind of expected. You, hear, you heard Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew at the end of last season talking about they wanted to run the ball more. Eric Bieniemy comes in; he's a former running back. Certainly, the Kansas City Chiefs are a very pass-heavy offense, but everybody kind of expected 
a little bit more run just because of Eric Bieniemy's history and the fact that he's a running back, uh, started his his time in the NFL as a running back and, and then got into coaching. Um, however, up to this point, the Washington Commanders have a league-leading 509 pass attempts. That was through week 13. Obviously, they didn't play week 14, uh, and that was 59 more than any other team. So there's not a lot of teams that throw the ball 59 times in a weekend. Um but that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of passes. Um, and a lot of people believe that Ron Rivera should have addressed this fact with Eric Bieniemy um, earlier than he perhaps did. Uh, but the line that authority or that Rivera gave to Bieniemy, the line of authority that, that Rivera gave to Bieniemy, uh, pretty much leaves Ron Rivera not meddling in Eric Bieniemy's offense. And that's how Ron Rivera has run his staff, you know, for as long as as I've been here, um, which is his entire tenure. But you know, is about half of his tenure. So. That's that's a lot to, uh, to unpack there. Uh, also, after the loss of New York Giants, Terry McLaurin was critical of the scheme, uh, kind of complaining about the low number of vertical routes and crossing routes that he's getting, which we we illustrated and described in depth uh, last week. Um, the first fade thrown to Terry McLaurin against the Giants came in the third quarter for a 27-yard gain, according to ESPN. Uh, so certainly Terry McLaurin is right in his assessment that he needs more of those types of throws. Uh, there were some thoughts on on Eric Bieniemy's personality that we've heard not just now but from the get go. Uh, as far as the the day off complaints, I mean, look here's here's what I will say. The, the conversation is twofold, right? One is I understand we all have a preference in our days off, right? But we we are adjustable, like like human beings can adjust and we can acclimate. Um, so uh, unless this is an in season change or this was a last second notice type of thing. I don't know what the, what the circumstances around that change were, to be honest with you. But, you know, if it's a last second change, okay, I get that a little bit more. Uh, but if it's, you know, Hey guys, I know you usually have Tuesdays off. We're now going to have Mondays off. Um, I get not liking it, but you adjust, man. You know what I mean? And the whole family thing, like I've got a family, you know what I mean? Uh, I know what it's like to lose a day off, have a day off change, have a schedule change last second. Like I get that it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, man, like if that complaint is making, an article this in depth to me, that shows just how nitpicky we're getting with the negatives that Eric Bieniemy is bringing to the team. Now, that being said to me, it makes sense that you would study your previous games tape on Monday. So we play Sunday, we study that tape Monday, then we take Tuesday off. And what I'm letting my players now do is digest that information, uh, you know, get that, get that whole thing swallowed, learn the lessons from it, come in Wednesday fresh, getting ready for the new opponent. To me, that just makes sense. So the fact that the commanders are playing Sunday, taking Monday off, coming in Tuesday, now I've had 24 hours to get away from this game. And now Tuesday morning, you're just going to bring me in, especially in a losing season, you're just going to bring me in and be like, all right, now that you've had a day off to rest, let's throw all the negative back in your face. And then tomorrow, come back to work motivated to get ready for the next week. To me, that just doesn't make sense. Um, so... I kind of agree with both sides of that conversation, if that makes sense. Um, the time off, the time complaints, especially during the meetings. Listen, here's what I'm going to here's Here's kind of the, the biggest meat of this part um, that I really wanted to get into is if you're going to be a monstrous leader, you cannot falter in your own demands. I'm going to get into more into that coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than 
or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch your winnings roll in. I pick three player projections for every Thursday night football matchup this Thursday night. I'm going with Chargers running back Austin Eckler to have more than 16.5 receiving yards. That was prize picks Taco Tuesday special, so I jumped on that. Raiders kicker Daniel Carlson to have more than one and a half field goals. And Chargers linebacker Khalil Mack to have more than 0.75 sacks. I, I tend to go more than. I think I'm a positive guy. I like to pick guys that are going to exceed the expectations. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL in all lowercase letters for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that promo code locked on NFL, all one word, all lowercase at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL will get you a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Wrapping up this episode of Locked On Commanders, wrapping up this conversation about Eric Bieniemy's influence in the uh, in the in the locker room in the organization, and and my thing about really hard nosed leaders has always been this and will always be this. Um, and, and for full disclosure, uh, in in my time in in the military, I was known a little bit as a more of a hard nosed type of leader. So I like the 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 clarity. I like the bluntness of conversations. I like the listen. This isn't about your feelings. This is about getting the job done. Um, and I, I appreciated leaders that took the same approach. Um, one of my best friends now that we're both out of the army was one of my most direct and blunt leaders during my time in the army. And he ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, but I appreciate it because you always knew where you stood. You always knew what you needed to do to get better. And you always knew what your deficiencies were if you had any. Um, but I also came to understand that if you're going to be that dude, you also have to uphold that standard yourself. And hearing about Eric Bieniemy, we we've seen it. If you went to training camp, or if you saw the videos, or if you watched this show, or if you read reports, you know Eric Bieniemy get to the line, get out of the huddle. Everything's about efficiency. Everything's about being on time. And then you hear about players having their treatment time eaten into because Eric Bieniemy's meetings are running late. You cannot, 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 cannot put heavy, heavy demands on the efficiency of your people. And then not be an efficient leader, period. You can't. This isn't about keeping your coaches late. That's, you know, keeping your coaches well past midnight, quote unquote, uh, is a whole different issue. That's a whole different issue. When you're talking about your players, you're telling your players, you better not be late. You better be on time. You better hustle to the line. You better hustle out of the line. You better hustle into the huddle. You better do everything on time at the time it's expected to be done. Then you as a leader need to do the same things because if you as a leader now tell them, I expect you to be on time. I expect you to be efficient. I expect you to follow these guidelines to the harshest limit, or I'm going to blast you. And then you tell them, but I'm not going to do the same. I'm going to eat into your treatment. Like what is the biggest mitigating factor to be quite honest with you between the best team in the NFL winning the Super Bowl and the best team in the NFL, not winning the Super Bowl. It's health. It's health. Every single year, when you look at it and say the best team in the league this year did not win the Super Bowl, why did they not win the Super Bowl? Most likely, it's because of injuries. It is because of injuries. And these dudes, we, we talk about, it, they go through two car accidents worth of damage per game, and you're going to eat into their treatment time, bro? You can't do that. You cannot do that and then be this authoritarian, uh, just, 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 you know, swinger of the stick when they're not 
being as efficient as you want. They're going to emulate your standard. If your standard is, I will color outside the lines as far as I need to, but you better not, you're no longer a leader. You're now a hypocrite. You can't, you can't do that, man. You just, you cannot do that. So uh, we've talked about the use of players, you know what I mean? Until we're blue in the face. We've seen that get a little bit better for as far as like the running game is concerned. We'll have to see, you know, through the end of the season, if we see Terry McLaurin's usage get better. Uh, but this is a lot, man. There's a lot of stuff stacking up, um, you know, but honestly, like this stuff has been stacking up since the beginning of training camp. And I almost kind of just wonder if this locker room just really didn't want to uh, accept this type of change in the first place. And and whether it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where this group is just not going to fit with this coach. And if you believe in the way this coach is doing things, which I certainly overall, uh, certainly I, I think I like what EB is doing. Obviously, there are some some arms of it, which are, are flawed, which I mean, we're all human, so we're all flawed. But if you as the ownership group like this method, you need to get rid of the players that don't like this method and bring in players that can thrive under this method. That's just that's just the bottom line here. Um, Keith asks uh, about Eugene Shen and how will Eugene Shen uh, change the draft and free agent philosophy uh, like he do with other NFL teams? So Eugene Shen, new uh, analytics guru for the Washington Commanders, came in a little while ago. Uh, we talked to Ron Rivera about him, said that Shen's impact will be made mostly in the offseason with draft preparation, free agent decision-making, uh, evaluations, and stuff like that. Um, in his history, Shen has worked with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, well, first, he worked with the Baltimore Ravens 2014 2019. 2019, he got on with the Miami Dolphins to 2021. 2021, he was working with the Jags until 2022. So that's his employment history. Um, the truth is, to, for me to give you the most intelligent answer, I've got to get behind the scenes. I've got to see the mechanics they're working with, and that's not going to happen. Um, but here's what we can look at. For the Ravens, from 2014 to 2019, uh, the Ravens had three double-digit win seasons and then fell to 8-8 eight and eight in 2013 before they hired Shen in 2014. From 2014 to 19, they end up with a record of 42-38, and 38, so four games over 500. In 2014, the team drafted linebacker C.J. Mosley in the first round. A good player, often injured player is the problem. Uh, 2015, they, they got wide receiver Brashad Perryman, whose best years came years later with the Buccaneers not even close with the Ravens. 2016, they got Ronnie Stanley, who's still a starter with the team today, offensive tackle. 2017, cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who is usually considered one of the best cornerbacks in the league, has had some recent struggles, but he's built quite a reputation for himself. 2018, they got tight, tight end Hayden Hurst, uh, who wasn't bad, but he's in Carolina now, and they have Mark Andrews. They also drafted Zadarius Smith, who basically played so well that Baltimore couldn't afford to keep him, and he ended up bouncing uh, as a free agent. Tight end Darren Waller was drafted as a wide receiver. He ended up obviously carving out a pretty nice career for himself as a tight end. They also drafted defensive end Matt Judon, tight end Mark Andrews, quarterback Lamar Jackson, and offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr., who has been one of the best in the league, but also very pricey uh, and is now, I think, on his third team because of it. So, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag of draft results there with Shen working for the Ravens. Uh, with the Dolphins, I'm not sure if he was hired before the 2019 NFL draft or not. Couldn't really pin down that information, but they did get defensive tackle Christian Wilkins in 2019, which was a great pickup. Uh, Tua Tunga Bailoa and Austin Jackson were first-round picks in 2020. Andrew Van Ginkle was, was drafted in 2019. Defensive tackle Raekwon Davis and Robert Hunt were both, were both drafted in 2020. All those guys are impact players for the Dolphins right now, one of the better teams in the AFC. They did, however, swing and miss on cornerback Noah Igbenogany uh, in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. Jaguars. Uh, in 2021-2022, he was hired after the 2021 NFL draft, so no, that was not the Trevor Lawrence draft. Uh, but 2022, he was on staff when the team prepped for and drafted 
defensive end Trevon Walker in the first round. I reached out to Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars, and he would say the 2022 NFL draft class for the Jags has been good. Not great, but certainly not terrible. Certainly a lot of uh, potential in there. And again, it's it's two years in, so it's, it's hard to put a, a, a stern grade on that class. So, you know, I think if you look at the teams that drafted when Shen was on the on the staff, it just kind of tells you, you know, I don't know if you can really quantify like, man, if, you know, if we got a we had a B draft class without Shen, we would have had a C or, you, you know, uh, if we had a B draft class with Shen, we would have had an A. I don't know if that's if his role is something you can really quantify. I think really at the end of the day, what this is about is having as much data available. Um, and the more data you get, the more you learn. So at the same time, Shen working with the Ravens, Dolphins and Jaguars through these draft preparations and through these off seasons and all that stuff is going to make him smarter. Um, it's going to guarantee uh, a, a lot of information at the fingertips of whoever is making those picks. You know what I mean? How much will it impact? Like I can't put a number, I can't put a percentage. Uh, I can't really quantify for you, unfortunately, how impactful it's really going to be. But I can just tell you that, you know, part of the role is going to be data collection, data analysis, trying to paint some pictures using traits uh, and tendencies versus, uh, you know, stat scouting and, and stuff like that. I don't know. Just, you know, some people, everybody has the kind of their own opinion of, of analytics. Um, I will say this. I think with everything else, there's too much of anything. So too much of analytics is certainly a problem. Um, so, you know, whether or not the commanders are getting to that level, I don't know. Uh, what I can tell you is all three of these teams, the Ravens, the Dolphins and the Jaguars certainly have playoff contending rosters. Um, so even if it's not Shen directly, something that those organizations are doing or have done in the past is helping them uh, build and maintain playoff caliber rosters. And if Shen had any part to do with building those mechanisms, then, hey, we're, we're all for it, obviously. Right. Um, and it really, again, it depends on the coach and GM, right? Like, like. If you, if you bring in Bill Belichick, who is notoriously against analytics, well, uh, Eugene Shen's impact is probably going to be very little. Um, but if you bring in like a new wave, you know, math centric, you know, analytics driven type of coach, then Shen's role is probably going to be elevated uh, a lot. He's also Eugene Shen is also the editor in chief of the Journal of Sports Analytics. Um, the only article I've seen that he wrote for the Journal of Sports Analytics is about soccer, not football. So it's hard for me to even put a gauge on that because I, I haven't been able to read any of that work. But I do have a bunch of articles from the Journal of Sports Analytics downloaded. I'm going to start reading through some of those um, myself. Just get smarter about it. It's a really good publication and it's free. So if you want to check it out again, Journal of Sports Analytics. Um, so, you know, again, I, that's, it's probably not as as direct or as, as detailed an answer as you wanted, Keith. But that's probably the best I can tell you is uh, there's going to be more data. There's going to be more information for whoever's making the decisions to make their decisions. And that's, you know, in theory, that's a good thing uh, as long as it's not overkill. So. That's going to conclude our mailbag coming up tomorrow, crossover Thursday. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me by becoming a lock insider at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Don't forget, locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. Locked on sports today is here for you 24 7, covering the top stories, stories, stories of the day. Go to locked on sports today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please, if you're out and about, be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.